0: Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. You have your Bibles tonight. Go with me in the Word of the Lord. To Acts the 12th chapter. Acts the 12th chapter. And I want to read the first few verses there in your hearing tonight. Acts chapter number 12 and verse 1. Now, about the time, about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further. He proceeded further to take Peter also. I want you to focus your attention on that remark that is made there. He proceeded further. He proceeded further. I'm not going to announce my title just yet. Maybe in a little while, but uh, I want to I go from these, these. These verses have been on my heart for the last uh, really several weeks, and just looking for the proper time to expound upon them and to preach them. And I feel to do so here tonight. I want to help somebody in this house. Anybody want to be helped? Anyone want the Spirit of the Lord? It's really not me that helps anybody, but it's the Spirit of God working in this service and. Hopefully, I can be obedient to the Spirit of God so that it can flow through me to help somebody. That's our desire tonight. Lift up your hands, women. Let's pray that God would have His way in this service and minister to needs in this place. Jesus, we have need of you. We desire you. We pray, God, that you would give us liberty to preach Your Word tonight. Allow Your Word to help folks, strengthen people, and bless individuals. Let the work of the Holy Ghost be accomplished here. In your lovely name, we thank you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, let's give a resounding praise to the Lord before we're seated. Amen. Come on, we can do better than that. Let's give a resounding praise unto the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. To really get the intensity of this text. You have to understand the context. You have to understand the previous chapters and even the history that goes into this that leads up to this particular passage that I read to, I read to you from tonight. Uh, you do understand that all of this, uh, as we see it in the book of Acts, did not happen in just a few weeks or even just a few years but this is a book of history hitting the high points of what happened and the events that took place uh, that would merit being in the Word of God that God wanted us to glean from and receive from. And I'm so thankful for what we have. I'm so thankful for the inspiration that I receive when I look into the book of Acts, which is the Acts of the Apostles, and it tells us what they preached, It also tells us of the miracles that they witnessed and the revival and the pattern of the New Testament church. So we we receive a lot of things from reading the book of Acts. But you understand from the inaugural day of the church on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 and as it is recorded there, and I will not spend a lot of time there, but the Holy Ghost was poured out. 3,000 by the conclusion of the day had been added to the church, I think that's a pretty significant amount of progress for one day, don't you think? And then I don't know exactly how much time lapsed, but the Bible does say that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. So there must have been some time that lapsed between uh, the chapters, uh, Acts chapter 2, and the chapters that would follow. The next event that we see is Peter and John going up to the temple to pray, And because of that incident, there's an arrest, and there is some persecution that arises, and there's a little pushback from the Pharisees and the religious sects of the day. And we know that God continued to move and pour His Spirit out because when you read in chapter 4, the Bible says that 5,000 more had been added to the church That's significant progress. So you can see very clearly in just the first few chapters here that this thing is snowballing. This thing is gaining momentum. This thing is progressing rather fast. Chapter 5, there's signs and wonders at the hands of the apostles, so much so that they gain a reputation, and multitudes carried on couches are brought to them so that if they cannot pray for them individually and lay their hands upon them individually and anoint them and pray with them, they were just hoping that the shadow of the apostle, uh, the shadow of the apostle Peter would fall upon them and they would be healed. That was how much faith was in the atmosphere, how much excitement and exhilaration that was a part of the church at this time. And then in chapter number 6, we understand that the church had grown to a point that they realized that there was some needs, that administration that was not being taken care of, And, and so they anointed seven men full of the Holy Ghost, and Stephen being one of those men, and was a leader in the church, and really as you read about Stephen, you find him to be a linchpin. We find him to be a connection between the ministry of Simon Peter and the ministry of the Apostle Paul that would really take up the latter portion of the book of Acts. So we understand that this thing is progressing, and again it's progressing fast, and there's great momentum that is in the church. And then in chapter 8, just as Jesus said it would, The Bible says that it not only began to fill Jerusalem and Judea, uh, but it began to move out into places like Samaria. And Samaria Samaria was a place that was uh, the people that inhabited that place were half Gentile, half Jew. Philip began to preach to them, and he called for the apostles to come and to baptize them because they were filled with the Holy Ghost and great joy. Amen. Isn't it a wonderful thing that when you get true experience in God, that joy comes with it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I I think we ought to spend a little more time speaking about that here tonight and talking about it. I think as a church we need to understand that uh, when you receive a real relationship with God through the baptism of the Holy Ghost, one of the evidences of that one of the things that we see through the Scripture that always accompanies that is that there's joy, amen, that filled, the Bible said. It totally filled this city, and people were overcome with it. And we know that this upset again the enemy. Simon the sorcerer it had control and dominion and, and uh, had, had some had some powers over some of the people that was there. And when he saw the Holy Ghost being poured out, he desired to pay money that he could also possess this power of giving people the Holy Ghost. And the apostles said, let your money perish with you. You can't buy this kind of power. Uh, you, you, can't, you can't pay for this kind of power. This kind of power comes through consecration. This, this kind of power comes through yielding to the Spirit of God. This kind of power comes through committing your heart to the Lord. I'm going to tell you that's still how the power of the Holy Ghost comes. Is through us yielding our hearts to the Lord, consecrating ourselves unto God. And because of this, a revival swept through the city of Samaria. But it didn't stop there. And you read that in Acts chapter 10, now the Holy Ghost hadn't been poured out yet on the Gentiles, and, and uh, this was something that had again been foretold by the Lord that was going to happen it had been already prophesied that that was part of the plan and Peter had repeated that himself that it was going to begin at Jerusalem go to Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost part of the world but he didn't he didn't really believe that himself because he was really reticent to go down and to teach any of these gentiles until the lord gave him a vision and showed and revealed to him what he made clean that he didn't need to call it unclean. And he saw those beasts come down on that sheet that was tied at the four corners. And and the Lord told him after that period of fasting to rise, lay, and eat. And he said, uh, not so, Lord. I, my Jewish diet doesn't allow that. I, you know better than that. You know that I've always followed the dietary laws and I've never eaten any of that. And... And the Lord began to convince him that he was speaking about something other than food. But he was showing him that the Holy Ghost was going to be extended. This promise was going to progress even further than what he even imagined. And there was going to be a revival that was going to be greater than what even he foresaw. And that was that the Holy Ghost was going to be poured out. And there was a man that was standing at the door. And he led him down to where Cornelius and a group of Italian men were. And he preached the gospel to them. I'm talking about Acts chapter 10. And as he was preaching to them and explaining to them the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Bible said that the Holy Ghost fell upon them. And uh, Peter looked around and said, "Uh uh-oh. We, we know that if God is pouring His Spirit out upon them and giving them the Holy Ghost, they speak in tongues as well as we. That's how we know they got the Holy Ghost. That is the initial sign that someone has received the Holy Ghost, is that they will speak in that most unruly tongue of their body. will become yielded to God. And when you know the most unruly member of your body has come into submission to the Spirit, you know that God has the whole body. He has the whole tongue temple and when he poured his spirit out upon the Gentiles uh, Peter turned to those men that were traveling with him and said can any men man forbid them water that these also have received the Holy Ghost as well as we and the Bible said he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord that stands the reason that you might receive the gift of the Holy Ghost before you're baptized in Jesus name but you receive it on credit that you will be baptized in Jesus' name. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And so you can see that this thing as far as from the devil's perspective is spiraling out of control. You can see that it is snowballing into a full-fledged flow of God's spirit that the devil cannot resist any longer. He cannot stop it. He's having trouble shutting it down. And then it goes even further into our text. And the Bible says, and now about that time, what what time? About the time that Holy Ghost outpouring is happening and the flames of revival are spreading like a prairie fire across that region of the world or really what was the then known world at that period of time is suddenly being swept with revival and it's beginning to spread and it's beginning, uh, its tentacles are reaching into areas and places that the gospel had never been preached before. And the Bible said about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. Now you've got to understand a little bit about this man Herod. We know that there's many Herods, just like there are many different Pharaohs that are spoken of in the Scripture. But this, this man was Herod Agrippa, and he was the grandson of Herod the Great. And uh, we, we understand that these men were cold-blooded men. These were calloused men. The rulers of that day, uh, they wielded their power by intimidation. They did their very best uh, to to secure their power by knocking off any would-be heirs to the throne or anybody that they felt could threaten the throne. And if you read a little bit about Herod Agrippa, you understand that he was such a man. He was also connected very good with the Roman Empire uh, that ruled during that time. And so... He felt like he had their backing, which further, if you read the history of this, emboldened him to do things, to persecute the church. But I note what it says here. It says that he stretched forth his hands to vex certain, certain of the church. It wasn't everybody that he was going after. It wasn't everyone. Of course, he wanted to stop everybody. He wanted to hinder everybody in their worship and their commitment to God. He wanted to stop everybody uh, from really giving themselves to the things of God. But the Bible tells us that he went after certain of the church. In other words, there were influencers. There were particular people that he pointed out. There were particular ones that he, he targeted and uh, he wanted to to make sure he knew if he could stop them if he could come against them if he could hinder them and uh, if he could abate their influence uh, if he could keep them from making a further impact that it would affect the entire church body and that steel hat works today uh, he always wants the enemy has certain people that he targets. I just want to stop and say he's not interested in people that are carnal. He's not preoccupied or worried about people that are not really committed. He's not really concerned about the unconsecrated. He's not concerned about those that are really not giving themselves fully to the Lord and dedicated themselves entirely to God. But he's interested in finding that person that is red hot, on fire for God. That person that is a prayer warrior. That person that knows something about how to flow in the Holy Ghost. That person that is sensitive to the things of God. That person that is a worshiper. That simply their desire for worship will not be quenched, will not be hindered, will not be stopped. But there's an insatiable desire every time they come to the house of God. I want to connect with him. I'm not worried about whether somebody else does it. I'm going to do it. I'm not worried about whether or not, uh, amen, I feel like doing it necessarily. Or the right song is sang. Or I feel at a certain moment that I should do a certain thing. But I'm going to do it because I have a love. I have a desire to please God. I have a desire to worship God. And when I come to the sanctuary, amen, I come for the purpose of lifting him up and glorifying name and exalting him with all that I have within me. Is there any such people in this house tonight? Did you come to this place and your primary reason for being here is not for fellowship. It's not just for church membership. It's not just to come to pacify somebody else. But you come to praise the king tonight. You come to worship and to glorify God in this house tonight. Come on, if you're here, let's give him some praise right now. Oh, he wants to vex certain of the church. He wants to vex the spiritual. He comes against and he tries to hinder the person that has the most potential to impact others. That one that is, is the one that knows how to exercise their faith. That one that believes for revival. That one that has confidence in the power of the Holy Ghost to work. The power of the Holy Ghost, amen to move the power of the Holy Ghost to heal that person that is in the house of God that has a desire to please the Lord and to give themselves and dedicate themselves to God that's the person that is after amen praise God. And that that person that is about half backslid, that person that comes to church about 50 or 35% of the time, that person that can't decide whether or not they're going to be apostolic from one day to the next, uh, that, that's not even who I'm talking about here tonight. I'm talking about that person that has settled it in their heart. Uh, this is what I desire to be. This is what I want. Uh, this is what I hunger for from God. This is what I know that he is able to do. This is in his word and it's still for us today, that person that is reaching, that person that is stretching, that person that is believing, that person that is just uh, on fire for God in every area, that's the one that's going to get the attention of the enemy. Amen. I just wonder, are you known in hell tonight? All oh, quiet in here. Are you known in hell tonight? Would your worship get, would, would it really get hell's attention? Does your prayer shake anything up in the corridors of hell? Does does the devil even know your name? Or does any of his imps even know that you exist? Are you a target of hell? I'm going to tell you, I've seen times when people had to fight through and struggle through things because of one reason, because the devil understood if the true potential that was within them was ever stirred up, that he was in a whole lot of trouble. If they ever got tuned in, if they ever got to uh, really involved, if they ever got really engaged in what God was wanting to do in the work of God he knew that he was in a heap of trouble I want to preach to you tonight that it's important that we uh, get a hold of God in such a way that not only do we have a reputation of being consistent in our prayer and consistent in our worship and consistent in our attendance to the house of God but also we have a record in hell That that's a person that you just understand. They're serious about this thing. You just understand they're not passive about this at all. They have a hunger for the things of God. Oh, come on, let's give some worship to the Lord. Amen. That person that is carnal—they're not even on the devil's radar. That person that's preoccupied with sin. They're not even a concern to the enemy. But this should inspire, this this verse, that he reached down and began to vex certain of the church. That ought to encourage some folks around here that feel like you've had moments of resistance, that you've had to fight some hell in your life, that there's been some situations that you felt the resistance of the enemy. You felt spiritual warfare in those areas. I'm going to believe, I'm going to tell you, I believe that that is a real thing, spiritual warfare. The Bible does talk about, and I don't overemphasize, I don't like getting all the spooky dimensions of it and I don't like to mystify it at all and and I'm, I'm kind of a guy that, that tries to, to identify things in the Word of God and define it by the Word of God. I don't believe we have to... There's plenty in here. We don't have to make anything up. You get what I'm saying? And so I'm one of those guys that's more practical about things. But at the same time, I realize that there's a spiritual, very spiritual thing that goes on in this world. The Bible tells us very clearly that there's, there's the prince and the power of the air, the devil, that he has a certain amount of control that is allowed by God. Because God is interested in proving his church. God is interested in having a chase bride. You wonder why there's a devil. You wonder why there's temptation. You wonder why you have to, to fight in certain areas of your life. You wonder why there's resistance. It's because God is interested in a chase bride he's he's building a bride that loves him and is dedicated fully unto him that is interested in serving him not just out of what they can receive and the blessings and the loaves and the fishes as we like to say or the miracles uh, but that they have fallen in love with him to the place uh, that they'll be faithful to him no matter what comes no matter what goes uh, that i have given myself to the lord and i am dedicated unto the lord i'm a worship of God. I serve God because I love Him. I'm not just here for the benefits, though there are many that I could expound upon. But I'm here tonight because I have a love for God. And if you're going to make it living for God, you're going to have to develop that. You're going to have to have that. It's going to be proven of you whether or not you really love so you just well understand that somewhere along this way that you are going to be resisted. You are going to experience a struggle at some point. But you can come through that because greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. i got something on the inside of me that's more powerful than anything the devil might throw at me. Come on, do you really believe that tonight? you believe this Holy Ghost that you have? It has more authority. It has more power. It has more dominion. There, there is a lot more power in the Holy Ghost than there is in anything that the enemy tries to come against you with. Any temptation, any struggle that you have. You've got something on the inside of you that's greater than that. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give some praise to him again. But as I read on down, in verse 2 it says, And he killed James, the brother of John. Now this was not the brother of Jesus. With the sword. And because, now this, this persecution that would come to these apostles was prophesied about by the Lord himself. It was told to them way back there in the book of Matthew in the 20th chapter, in the 23rd verse. He predicted that they were going to drink of the cup of suffering. Just like he would. And you're not going to get through this unscathed. There's going, to be some, there's going to be some things that you're going to have to sacrifice. There's going to be some things that you're going to have to lay down for my sake. But I'm going to tell you your reward in heaven is going to be great. And he wanted them to understand that he didn't cut any corners. He didn't try to sneak up on them. He didn't try to tell them something that wasn't true. He didn't try to sugarcoat it so they could accept it and find out something different later. That isn't how God works. He tells you right up front, this is what you're going to have to lay down at the altar. This is what you're going to have to give up. This is what you're going to have to surrender. But if you do... Oh, if you do, some of us never get past that and understand that if we are willing, if we will surrender, if we will repent, if we will give it all to God. Oh, what a great reward. What an awesome thing it's going to be when we get on the other side. What an awesome thing it is to live for him in this world. Oh, come on. Let's give some praise to him right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Notice in verse 3, and because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded. This is the thing that I couldn't get off my mind. Matter of fact, I I was reading this and discussing this with a dear friend, and this stood out to me, and, I, and we were conversing about it, and uh, I don't know how many hundreds of times that I've read this text, and that's what's so awesome about the Word of God, it's alive and so Things come out of it, and I've preached from this text many, many times, but I've never really preached it from this perspective. He proceeded further to take Peter also. In other words, when he realized that there was no resistance, when he realized that nobody was going to put up any fight, when he realized that nobody's going to to say anything to the contrary. That was an emboldening factor to Herod. That was was a force multiplier, if you want to say it that way, when it came to Herod and his persecution. When there was no challenge, he came back for more. When it was viewed with passiveness, he saw it as permission to come for somebody else. You just understand. That if you don't meet the devil at his point of aggression, and if you don't stand up, the Bible said resist the devil. You just understand it. You don't stand up to it. And sometimes standing's more than just taking a momentary stand, but it's withstanding. You know, to withstand something, that means to be consistently standing against it. Amen. And the Bible said in Ephesians chapter number 6, when you've done all to stand, stand therefore. In other words, don't give up, don't quit, don't give in, don't yield to it. Uh, But just because you standed yesterday for it, uh, you need to stand for it today. Amen. And if it doesn't come around to being victorious today in that area, you keep standing because victory's coming. Stand therefore. Don't give up too quick, in other words. I just want to tell you tonight uh, that that if you think uh, that you can can some way compromise with the enemy and placate the enemy to get him to leave you alone and say, well, you know what, if if that's what he wants, uh, I'll let him have that. Uh, but you know what, at least I get to keep what I have. Uh, uh, you know over here that's most important to me, and and uh, you know at least I may be giving up this part of my walk with God. Uh, but uh, that, that is where I draw the line. That's it. I'm not going gonna, gonna to tell you that emboldens the enemy every time when people don't stand up uh, even for minor small things uh, and say you know what this may be a tiny thing to you but it's a big deal to me. We got to make big deals uh, out of the minor aggression of the enemy because uh, he's going to come back uh, and he's going to be more emboldened the next time when he comes uh, than he was before. If you mess around and take a take a compromise and make a deal with the enemy I promise you he'll be back amen you give him a segment of your consecration he'll be back for more you give him a little bit of your convictions he'll be back for more you give him a little bit of your prayer life he'll be back for more just look around here. If you think I'm not speaking the truth, people that say, well, you know, Wednesday night, it's just not that important. Amen. Then they're not here suddenly on Sunday night anymore either. And then they find excuses. I'm too tired. I've heard that excuse a little bit here lately. That's the most foolish and selfish excuse that I've ever heard when it comes to serving God. As though you're the only person in the whole entire church that could possibly be tired. Or the only person in the entire church that has anything to do. That's a prideful statement to make. That I'm too tired to make it to the house of God. I'm telling you, God is better than that to us. God is more wonderful to us than that. God has blessed us too much for us to live our lives that sloppy. Oh, that's just the way it is. Amen. We have to make up our mind. No, 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 no. I'm going to draw a line right here. I'm making up my mind right here. You're not taking any more from me. I'm committed. I have a conviction where this is concerned. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, you could choose to be placid and passive and easygoing about it, but he'll be back for more. If that's the attitude that you portray and that's the choice that you make is that, you know what, hey, amen, I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just kind of play along with this thing. You don't draw a line, he's going to come back for more. 2 Samuel chapter number 23. Tells us a very brief story, but a very power-packed story about how that David's mighty men were being attacked by the Philistines, which was always a continual enemy of Israel's through through David's kingship, for sure. Always a perennial enemy. This keep coming back. And any ground that was given, they'd they'd take it. And if you didn't fight them uh, and resist them, then they would take anything that you would give them. They were very scrappy, and they were people that reassembled themselves and would, uh, though they would be defeated, they would gather themselves back together and come back for more. It was an amazing thing. And they were assigned to us. The Lord used them, the Scripture says, to teach his people war. That's what the Bible said. He used them to teach his people war. I'm gonna tell you, God doesn't want any wimps. God doesn't want any weaklings. Oh, yeah. He, he, you know, I realize there's times we all feel weak. I realize there's times when we all feel sapped of strength spiritually. But but we gotta learn where our renewal is and where our refreshing is, and we gotta learn how to get recharged and revived in our spirit and get back a hold of this and get back in the fight because the uh, the bible tells us uh, that uh, there's some things that are never going to go away that we're going to have to constantly resist and deal with until Jesus comes until your feet touch gold you're going to have to fight your flesh my friend until your feet touch gold you're going to have to overcome temptations to give in to the flesh you're going to have to uh, you're going to have to overcome temptations uh, uh, to 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 give in to the appetites of the flesh and the lust of the flesh. The Bible said there's three things that are going to be until the end of time: the pride of life. We haven't found any inoculating vac- vaccination for the pride of life. Uh, you know, you don't hear a lot of preaching about it, but that doesn't mean it hadn't gone or that it has gone away. It's still it's still it's still working today. People still struggle with their pride. You don't believe it? You ought to stand up here sometimes. Amen. Oh, yeah. People have a hard time crying out to God. Have a hard time getting desperate before the Lord. Have a hard time praising the Lord and worshiping God and and getting into the church service. Why? Because of pride many times. Pride doesn't go away, my friend. But the Bible tells that's not the only thing, uh, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eye. And sometimes we think those two things go together, but really they don't. They're two different things. There's appetites that are innate within my sinful flesh that I have to keep. I have to maintain control over through the power of the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells me if I walk in the Spirit, I won't, I won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's in Romans the 8th chapter. If I'll walk in the Spirit, I will have to give in or surrender to the flesh and the temptations that come along. And there's many things that this flesh uh, sometimes would rather do than consecrate unto the Lord. There's many things that this flesh will find to do rather than pray and be faithful to the house of God and read the Word of God and worship God. There's a lot of excuses that can be made and the devil will provide those excuses. You don't have to look him too hard. He'll provide those excuses for you. And then the lust of the eye. I'm going to tell you the devil's working overtime in that area, isn't he? Uh, you got a phone in your pocket. You understand that he's working overtime. And if you've got a, if you drive down the road unless you drive down blindfolded, and I don't recommend that, uh, you, you realize that the devil is working overtime. You don't have to look at a billboard anywhere anymore to understand that he's working overtime. And, and I'm not just talking about uh, unseemly things that are out there, but I'm also talking about he's trying to appeal to people. He, he's providing uh, pictures of of, of people that look like with a smile on their face they're drinking the alcohol or they're smoking the cigarettes or whatever they're doing and he's trying to tell you that's where the fun is and you're a funny-duddy if you live for God. I'm going to tell you, that's a lie. If you can look on the other side of sin and look at the outcome of sin, you'd understand that there's addiction and there's trouble and there's pain and there's suffering that goes along with it. Man, he he tries to paint it up the best he can. He tries to appeal to us the best he can. So he comes back again and again. And that's exactly what the Philistines represented to the people of God. They came back again and again. And here in the 23rd chapter, we see an example after example of mighty men that stood up with David and fought against the Philistines. And one of those young men was a man by the name of Shammah. Kind of an unusual name. But Shammah was a man of courage. And the Bible says that there was a gathering of a troop of the Philistines in a, in a piece of ground that was filled with lentils. Best we can tell, that in our modern-day vernacular is a pea patch. And they got out in the middle of those field of lentils, and they was gathering themselves against the people of God. And the Bible says that the people of God fled from them. And maybe as they were leaving, they were thinking to themselves, you know what, this is a pretty minor piece of ground to us. This is not like it's our cornfield. It's not even our wheat field. It's not like we got soybeans planted here. It's not something that's going to provide sustenance for us. It's not anything that we can't live without, really. I mean, if you think about it, uh, you know, I don't even like peas anyway. I, I don't even enjoy them. Uh, you know, if it's the last thing on the plate to eat, I guess I could, I could uh, survive on it if I have to. But I don't enjoy them. And if you guys want it, you can have it. And they said, I'm going to run like the gingerbread man. just thought I'd throw that in for Christmas sake. Some of you guys need to lighten up a little bit. Anyhow, as they're running, they notice that there's one man. He stays planted in the midst of the field. He said, you know what? I'm sick of this running. I'm sick of being pushed around. I'm sick of being intimidated. I may go down, but I'm going to go down swinging. I'm not going to put up with this anymore. You know... I always get in trouble when I do this, but I, I'm going on, I'm on to tell a little deal about when I was, uh, I think it was in the ninth grade. And I, I had enrolled in this high school, and I was the new guy, and uh, as I came into that school, uh, one of the classes that I took was, I remember, I don't even know if they have these today, um, but I, I took wood shop, and then I, I, I took another, uh, at another time, I took metal. Uh, working uh, with uh, in the metal shop anyway as I was in one of those classes I can't remember which uh, there was a a school bully I'm talking about one of those fellas that had flunked about four or five grades had a full beard no not really but I I think he could have grown one if he'd wanted to and uh, he just was anything but a ninth grader you you get what I'm saying he was a full-fledged man and I don't know why he targeted me. I guess because he, he'd run out of everybody else. And everybody else kind of stayed out of his way. And they assigned me to sit at the same work table as him. And, and I mean, day after day, he tormented the fire out of me. And I was a peaceable trying to get along guy and just trying to get along to, to make my way through school and didn't want to have any kind of conflict with anyone and it was just day after day. And it got me such to the place because this guy, it wasn't like it was a fair deal. This guy was a big fella. And uh, he, he just, and, and the more he seen that it was bothering the, me, it seemed like the more he got aggressive. And the more he got a kick out of just, just pushing me down, ridiculing me, intimidating me, and making fun of me on almost a daily basis. Well, that was the last class of the day. And so I started cutting that class. I said, you know what, I ain't going to deal with this. I ain't going to go over there. And then, and then that brought on a notification to my parents that I was missing that class. I was there for all the rest of them, but suddenly it would disappear for that one. And then I would make my way home and I act like everything was fine. And finally my dad came to me and said, what's the problem here? A note, notice came that you are missing this class. You're going to fail because of absences. And I just broke down and told him. I said, man, there is this this boy or man to me that is that is raking havoc every day. I mean, he is just driving me crazy. He's intimidating me. And so my dad said, well, I, I'm going to go down and talk to the, the principal. So he went down and talked to the principal. And and I thought, well, you know, this will take care of it. And went back and same old stuff. And uh, they just really didn't have a lot to go on. So finally my dad went back down there and said, you know what? He said I've always taught my boy to not get into any kind of conflict. He said, "So I I I want you to help me with this situation, but if you refuse to help me with this situation, I'm going to turn him loose." I don't know what he thought he was turning loose. <laughs> what exactly a prize fighter? And he said, "Boy, when you go back tomorrow." He said, "They've been notified." And he said, and I know he's a, he's a preacher himself and a godly man, and, and I'm sure he wouldn't recommend this in every situation, and so I don't want to make him look bad. But he said, you know, he said, you sit on a shop stool, don't you? He said, I mean, whatever you got to use to make this deal even. He said, you wrap that thing around his neck if you have to. But he said, you got to go to class, and you got to pass the class. And he said, if you're not willing to do it, at least make him think you're willing to do it. He said, I promise you, if you bring he said, don't wait till class is over. He said, He'll kill you if you wait until class is over. He said, You do it there in front of God and everybody. He said, because the teacher's supposed to be alerted to the problem in there. And what I understand now and have the wisdom to understand now is he knew it would never get to that. But when it came to a showdown that the teacher was going to interfere and he was, going to, he was going to take that young man that was causing the problem and deal with it. But he needed it to come to a head. And so my dad was more than obliged to bring it to a head. And I didn't know how how excited I was about the prospect. But anyway, the first thing, I walk in, and here he goes with his accusations. Here he goes with all of this stuff and same old deal. And I just jumped up all 98 pounds of me, looked up at him, and I said, Buddy, if you're ready to go, I'm ready to go. And I, and I just used what my daddy said. I said, if i got to wrap this stool around your neck, buddy, I, that's what I'll do. But I'm not going to run from you another day. And that, that, that joker started kind of giggling underneath his breath. He, that's that's the rise I guess he was looking for but before he could do too much uh, that teacher was already over there had him by the arm and was leading him down to the principal's office uh, and I never heard from him again I'm going to tell you I went through a month or two of, of aggression and being intimidated and being pushed down and living under fear and I didn't have to because uh, hey, amen when we stood up uh, there was something uh, that could be taken care of in the situation i will. I want to tell somebody in this place tonight, you can be pushed around and pushed off your blessing. Oh, as long as you allow the devil to do it, he gets joy in that. But if you'll stand up and say, I, it may not be a big deal to anybody else, but it's a big deal to me. Come on, is there anything that is a big deal to you? Is there anything that you're willing to... Come on, how about your family? Are you willing to fight for your family? How about your anointing? Are you willing to fight for your anointing? How about your consecration? Are you willing to fight for your consecration? How about those convictions that God gave you? Are you willing to fight for those convictions? Yeah. You know what Shemma realized? He said, it may be a pea patch to you, fellas, and nothing big. But you know what? I got to look, right over there is the line, and you cross that line, and you get into the wheat field. And next to my wheat field, hard up against that, is my corn field. And if I let him have, if I let him have the bean patch, then he's going to come for the wheat field. And if I let him have the wheat field. He's going to come for the cornfield and if I let him have the cornfield next to the cornfield is Farmer Brown's house and Farmer Brown's house right next door to him is my house and so if I if I don't get a handle on this compromise if I don't stand up somewhere and begin to fight and resist this thing if I don't make up my mind to draw a line somewhere you understand he's going to get it all. He's taking everything that I can. He proceeds until somebody stands up against it and so I want to Ask you tonight, how far will you let it go? How far will you let him go? How much are you going to let him push you off of the promises of God? Is somebody willing to stand up? Is there somebody willing to face him down? Is there somebody has got enough fortitude and faith here tonight? And your mind is made up. Come on, why don't you cup your hands? Let's worship the Lord right now. Come on, that's it. Go ahead. Stand to your feet right now. Let's worship him and give him praise. You understand what I'm talking about? He'll keep on coming as long as you allow him to. As long as you allow it to happen. You might think, well, it's just a minor deal, you know. I mean, that's just, you know, that's part of life. You can't always stay on fire for God. I was a new convert. I had a lot more energy than I do now. I mean, you know, I was close to God, but sure, I had a lot more time. I worked two or three jobs. Now, who blessed you with those jobs? You know, I had a lot more to seek God for because I was praying back then. I could even pay my bills. Who blessed you with your finances? Beg your pardon. Who it is that brought you to this point? Who was it that brought you to this place? Oh, that dug you out and you knew out of a flinty rock. I'm telling you, it's Jesus that did that. Musicians, would you come? I got a lot more to preach, but I just feel like somebody needs to understand I'm not going to let this thing go any further. Here's where it stops with me. This is where it ends with me. Amen. Others, others may feel that they can be passive with it, but I'm not going to be passive with it. How true to your convictions are you now in comparison with what you used to, used to believe and used to hold strong to? Oh, yeah. I hear crickets in here right now. Oh, yeah. Come on. Somebody understand That what I started out with was right. What I began with was right. Oh, foolish Galatians, you started out in the spirit. Don't don't think that you can some way get over in the flesh and perfect this thing. That's not how it works. you got to stop this aggression of the enemy right where it begins. And understand God has blessed me to this point and brought me to this place. And so I'm not going to let it go. I'm going to continue to stay steadfast for what I know and what God has put in my heart. Come on, has anybody got this down deep in your your heart has anybody got it down deep in your heart Does anybody understand that this is what it's going to take if I'm going to be saved? If I'm going to be right before God? God's not expecting less of me. He's expecting at least as much and perhaps more of me. Because I have more to be thankful for now. I have more reasons to live for Him now. I'm going to tell you, I'm sick and tired of six-month Christians having more worship than people that's been around for 60 plus years living for God. And people that's been around, amen, for 16 and and uh, th- 30 years and and 40 years living for God, I'm gonna tell you, you got a whole lot more reason to worship God. You got a whole lot more reason to lift your hands. You got a whole lot more reasons to be faithful to Him. So I just wonder tonight, who's gonna draw a line? Come on, I'm asking a question. Is anybody gonna draw a line tonight? Come on, if i got to stand up here and look you in the whites of your eyes, I'm asking you a question. Are you going to draw a line tonight? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Am I the only one that feels like a line needs to be drawn? Am I the only one that feels like, hey, this is enough, enough, enough. I'm not going to take this anymore. I'm not going to take it sitting down. I wanted to fight over the small things in my life.